Welcome to the Barry Trammell Show here on Sellout Crowd. And on this fine September morning, we are joined by a Sooner icon, Dusty Dvorak, great defensive tackle for Bob Stoops' squads of a generation ago, who has now embarked on a meteoric career with ESPN as a Saturday analyst, Dusty Dvorak, welcome to the show. Barry, an absolute pleasure. Congratulations to you on your new ventures. Uh, we go back a long way, Mr. Trammell. It's uh, an honor and a privilege to be on your show. How the heck are you doing? Well, I'm doing good. Anybody anybody that uh, has been around me has, goes back a long way. I mean, you you go back. Uh, you came in with Tommy Harris in 2001. Does it, you ever sit around and say, 22 years ago, where did the time go? That's what old people say. Are you saying it? Um, yes, I am. It, it really goes fast. Um, and man, what a, what a glorious time it was. The ups, the downs, and the all-arounds. My wife and I uh, have been together for 20 years now, uh, believe it or not. So it's, um, it's wild and crazy. And, and yeah, I came in from Lake Dallas, Texas, uh, a green not knowing what I was getting myself into from an on-the-field football player to this Oklahoma fan base that is just amazing to everything to, you know, this is home. You know, this is – it's it's crazy, Barry. I'm a, I'm a Texas kid through and through, but I've lived the majority of my life in the great state of Oklahoma. So I consider myself an Oklahoman, uh, but I still – obviously my roots are from Texas. But it's um, – I tell people all the time, the best opportunity of my life and the best decision was to go play for Bob Stoops. It's led me uh, to where I am here today, both in my personal life and my professional life. Well, you, uh, you know, when you, when you got here, you spent five years here, uh, grew up, uh, as you said, Lake Dallas. Uh, I assume you'd grew up dreaming of playing football. Did you, did, did you ever think you'd be in the broadcast booth? I, I did not. No, um, you know, I, I thought I got my business degree, which I'm, by the way, very proud of uh, that I keep right here behind me. Um, and I, I, I never, you know, college football was always my dream uh, from very young. I knew what I wanted. I was very focused. I was very determined. I've got a sixth grader now and an eighth grader. And when I was in sixth grade, I asked for a weight bench for Christmas. And because I wanted to get a scholarship, uh, I was from a low income family. My parents did not go to college and it was in my mind, it was earn a scholarship or go to work. Um, and so that was kind of what I was always set on. So really worked hard and was able to get a scholarship first person from Lake Dallas high school ever uh, to get an athletic scholarship. And I just wanted to get school paid for and play football and then get a job and, and, you know, have a family and, and be a working stiff. And even going through college, like I, I took my academics very serious. I thought that was my future, and I thought I was going to get into the business world and, and, and hopefully flourish there. Uh, but I was able to play football past college. And uh, the broadcasting thing, like, I was that kid, Barry, like going through like uh, elementary school, middle school, back when they had the sports centers that would go on a loop from like 5 a.m. to like 9. Yeah. I would wake up. I wasn't a good sleeper, so I'd wake up at like 5. And I would try to watch three sports centers and there were 30-minute shows and I'd memorize them. And I would go to school and I was basically doing radio without knowing it well before my radio days because all I would do is regurgitate stats and, and numbers and storylines of what was happening in the sports world. So I think that was always my passion. 
I just didn't realize it until after I was done playing. And Randy LaFoon at KREF gave me my first opportunity, and it's it's gone pretty well from from there. Well, you you know, looking back when you played, uh, we always like talking to Dusty Dvorak, and I think it's because what people have just seen in the last three or four minutes. You just you love to talk, you love to say interesting things. Uh, that's what we're looking for. We're not looking necessarily for any kind of uh, scandal. We just like to talk to interesting people. Um, was that a is that just your personality? Is that was that a conscious effort? Hey, I want to I want to be good with the media. Uh, when when you got to Norman, I've just always tried to be me. You know, I the good and the bad. <laughs> you know, right? Like it's just you, you know you're going to get what you get. And I think it wasn't really a conscious effort. Um, I just I was just real with you guys back then. And I try to be real on my radio shows. Um, obviously, locally did it for a long time here. I worked with you quite a bit there at at WWLS. I I now have a national radio show on Sirius XM in the morning with Danny Cannell. Uh, but I don't know. I don't think I ever made any kind of conscious effort. I just thought, um, you know, I, I wanted to, if I had the opportunity to answer questions, I was going to be me. And you usually get a lot of fire, you get a lot of passion and you get, you get real. And there's a lot of people that aren't real and kind of, whether it's coach speak or, or player speak or tell the media what they want to hear. That's well and good. I'm not here to criticize that, but that's not really me. And that's not the way I go about my broadcasting life. So uh, I wasn't ever playing it up for you guys back in the day. I was just, I was just giving you Dusty Dvorak and that's what you'll continue to get to if you tune in and, and check me out. Well, you, uh, when you, when you uh, look at college athletes today, um, what you just described is, is unorthodox. We don't see a lot of that. Of course, it's not because players are losing their personality. It's because more and more organizations want to contain the message and, and don't want to, you know, don't want people saying anything out of school. Uh, not that you really ever did. Um, Trent Smith, your old teammate, he's a little bit of a different, you know, he's a little different on that. Trent would, would say some provocative things. But have we lost anything, do you think? by this this idea of containing the message and trying to control what people might say uh you you talk to players every week uh before you know for your ESPN preparation um is 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 this a good thing is that a bad thing sometimes i just tell people it's just sort of understandable right with the new the way things have gone with social media with with the way uh just culture is i can perfectly understand why coaches and athletic departments want to you know, try to corral the voices. Uh, but do you think we've lost anything? I, I don't. Uh, what, what was the Trent's line? Uh, Orange makes him puke. I think that was yeah, one. That that people, yeah, yeah, that was one of them, yeah. Got people pretty fired up. I, you know, I don't. And I'll say this, Barry, like, there's so many outlets with NIL and podcasts. And, I mean, college players have their own podcasts now. Like, that never, that was nothing. I think that it was controlled more than whenever I played than it is currently. There's just so many outlets and so many opportunities and places, uh, you know, that players can can speak their mind, can have their platform. Social media has changed the game completely. And I understand why coaches want to try to rein that in. I just think it's tougher now to rein in players and what they have to say than it's ever been before. And I think coaches kind of spout off more now than ever before. I mean, Coach Jay Norvell had some interesting comments a couple of weeks ago that made headlines. I mean, just – just think about this past weekend. 
Ryan Day coming after Lou Holtz after a monumental <laughs> win? What, who was expecting that? I mean, he was oh, fired yeah. up, Barry. Like, thank goodness Lou wasn't in the stadium. I mean, there might have had to be security to separate those two. Uh, Dan Lanning in his pregame speech and, and you know, really, you know, digging his teeth in and coming after Coach Prime. I mean, have we ever seen a character like that? So I understand what you're saying. I think that coaches will always try to control the message and the narrative. But I would say now we get more real from various outlets from players. And I think we're in an interesting world where coaches, more now than ever, they're willing to say something because I think whether they just don't care or they know, hey, this goes viral, it could actually be a good thing for me. I think it's actually brought a new element to college football that personally doing what we do, I absolutely love. Yeah, I was actually, uh, you know, I was in Cincinnati Saturday night and we went to a, a sports bar uh, after finishing up riding and we're watching all the games and we sit there and we're, we're watching uh, the end of the Ohio State Notre Dame game. And of course, the sound's down. You can't hear anything. And they all of a sudden there's Ryan Day with the, with the sideline reporter after the game. And he's just going cuckoo. You could tell he's just, you know, almost maniacal. And you, you think, what could he be upset about? What's he, what, what's he saying? And I did not have Lou Holtz, uh, you know, on the bingo card. Uh, I had, I didn't even know Lou Holtz still uh, said anything about college football. But you know, it's a, it's a great point. Um, you know, two of those, two of those coaches you mentioned, Dan Lanning and our old pal Jay Norvell, uh, was in. It was in reference to Deion Sanders. And the one thing I've found, uh, you tell me as an ESPN broadcaster, but I've found Dion to be delightful just because he's stirred everything up. Everybody wants to talk about Dion. People want to watch. People want to comment. Um, sometimes college football can get very traditional, very stoic, everybody doing the same thing. And all of a sudden, here comes Dion, and, you know, it's scorched earth. Everybody wants to talk about it. I've found Dion Sanders delightful. Uh, what have you, how have you, uh, what are your feelings about Dion and what he's done with the college football scene, particularly this last month? I'm impressed. Uh, I respect it. You know, I, I don't agree with everything Dion says or everything Dion does. That's okay. I don't have to. What I like is he's authentic and he's the same guy he was back as a player. And you can't argue with the fact that he started three and zero. I mean, he took a team that was the laughing stock of the Power Five from a season ago to going in to forward Texas week one and beating a team that played for a national championship. I know year over year with the transfer portal roster turnover, but still uh, you've got to be impressed. Now, how good is Colorado? Really? I think that's uh, I think that that was kind of shown on Saturday against Oregon. They still have a long way to go to rebuild that roster, but the buzz that he's created in Boulder, uh, the fact that that's been kind of the, not college sports, but the sports mecca, the first, the last month of the college sports calendar, I think is so impressive. And again, I'm, I'm okay with him stirring the pot a little bit. It's bringing out different things from some of these other coaches that are more conventional, which I think is fine. And I do think that Dion, he, he's going to have success. Like he's having success now, but I think as time goes on, he'll continue to have success. When he was at Jackson State, um, we would play on my, my morning show clips all the time of him addressing his team because you see a lot of the flash and the sizzle, but there's an old school mentality. There's a lot of Bobby Bowden in him. Listen to the messaging when he talks to his players. It's not much different than 
the messaging I got from Bob Stoops or Bobby Bowden was given to those Florida State teams. Again, I know that that, that the clicks and the, the videos and all that, that's different. But if you get you get behind the scenes and you hear his, you know, the way he pushes his players and the messaging he has and what he wants his players to do to graduate college, you know, to be good quality young men, not just good quality football players. How can you not love that? And I think that that gets lost in a lot of the uh, the coach prime effect. But I do think behind the scenes, he's he's saying the right things. He's doing the right things. And I think here very, very soon, Colorado is going to be a problem for a lot of people, which I just hope. But I know that Brett Yormark as well. He stays in Boulder, Colorado, because that brand with him at the helm is great for the Big 12. And as Oklahoma and Texas will leave, they need as many quality brands as they can get. And I sure hope that we see Coach Prime stay in the Big 12 for as long as possible. Yeah, uh, Deion Sanders in Stillwater would be a sight to behold. I uh, uh, Sign me up for that. Uh, let me ask you, as an ESPN, we talked a few weeks ago, and um, I think it was a Friday or a Saturday, I asked you about your next week's assignment, and, he's, and you said, well, we won't know until Sunday. Um, what's, the, what's the process for getting your game? Do you have any p- politicking power? I mean, I would assume everybody's clamoring for a Dion game. Give me Colorado. Give me Colorado. Or do you just just sort of wait for your assignment like, uh, you know, you're in the military or something? Well, there's certain people that can politic. Uh, I'm, Kirk Herbstreit gets the game he wants. Uh, it's, it's pretty well known. Sean McDonough, he's kind of that number two. So those guys get theirs. And then after that, you know, I'm with Dave Pash, my third year with him. You know, we're, we're usually in the mix for anywhere from the third to fifth best game each week. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. Bob was choosing as the voice of the New York Jets. Uh, my, my, you know, my play-by-play, Dave Pash, he's the voice of the Arizona Cardinals. So there is an element of schedules and where those guys are going to be that kind of play a role uh, into some of this. And But, no, I don't, I don't text my bosses and, and – I've, I keep the, only if it's between you and me. I politicked one time, one time. It was last year, and I got it. Uh, I did text my boss, and I said, "Man, I sure would like to be in Stillwater next week." Texas was coming to Stillwater, and sure enough, we got to three thirty ABC, yeah. Oklahoma State, Texas, and it wound up being one of my all-time favorite games. I've got to call that big comeback for Coach Gundy, and and that was a huge win at the moment. Oklahoma State was six and one, and you know, Sark couldn't finish games, and there was just so many storylines. It was a, a beautiful scene there at in Stillwater. It was a great game, and I, I absolutely loved it. So that one worked out. Uh, but I, I try not to politic, you know, because here's the thing: you may ask for a game, and it and it looks on paper like a great game, and it winds up being a dog and a blowout. And you may look at a game that's an absolute dog, and it winds up being a great game. So the one thing I've tried to remind myself, regardless of the assignment, treat it like it's the biggest and best game each week. No different than if you're a player. You know, study the film, be focused, be dialed in, and be ready to go to work. And so basically, here's how it goes, Barry. So I finished. we finished our game Saturday night. We had Baylor, Texas, ABC primetime Saturday night. I got off the air probably about 1030. Uh, got into a car, took a car service, went to DFW. So pulled up to DFW about midnight. And by that point, I have no idea where I'm going the next week. Get up, get on a plane to come home so I can coach my son's youth football game yesterday. And, uh, you know, right as the time I'm taking off at about 8.30, I get the email. And the email says, Syracuse, Clemson, ABC Noon, 
this week. So then it's like getting travel arranged and everything. And, and that's how the week starts. So I found out at 8.30 yesterday morning, some weeks it's two or three in the afternoon, but you try to get your travel booked, which I, it's not easy to get from Oklahoma city to Syracuse, New York, uh, but we're going to be able to get it done. And, and then you just start your film prep. You know, I try to watch three games on each team. Uh, usually the, the previous three games, if there's an outlier in a big game that they played before that, I'll try to watch that offense, defense, special teams. And that's kind of how the week of prep starts for me. You know, we have coaches meetings. I read a bunch of different articles. I listen to their press conferences. We get a chance to meet with players and coaches throughout the course of the week, different with different teams. But it's um, it's a grind, man. And it's, you know, it's, it's from Sunday when you find out it's a buildup all the way to kick. You know, you call the game, you do it, and then you flush it. You find out your new assignment, and you're on to the next. You know, we don't have the advantage I did as a player. You know your schedule. You know kind of what's up ahead. We don't get that luxury in my line of work. It's, it's week to week, and it, 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 it really keeps you on your toes because you got to be able to, to be flexible, to be able to adjust, and whatever your bosses throw at you, be ready to take the assignment. And I think the real key, just treat every assignment like it's the biggest game of the week. You know, you can't, you can't look at a game and say, oh, like we had Florida State BC a couple weeks ago. Perfect example. Loon ABC, number three team in the country. Boston College have lost to Northern Illinois and barely beat Holy Cross on that same field going into that game. I think the spread was like uh, close to four touchdowns or something. There was nothing about that game that said it was going to be good. But guess what? Boston College has the ball down two with about three minutes to play with a chance to win. They're at the 50-yard line down two, three minutes to go with a chance to kick a field goal or score a touchdown to win the game. Had I cheated that prep, had I cheated that game, I'm not ready in those moments to do my job at a high level. And it's just a great example and a great reminder. Treat every game like it's the biggest game because you never know when you may have the biggest upset of the week or you may have one of the most competitive games uh, that you'll call all season. Well, we talked, I think, the week uh, the season opener. Uh, I asked, hey, what game you got? Uh, and you said Duke Clemson. And I didn't really say anything, but I found out, oh, you know, that's too bad. I, w- I wish you could have got a better game. But you warned me. You said, hey, Duke's, uh, Duke's potentially for real. They got 17 starters back, 9 and 14. Mike Elko's doing a great job. Danged if we didn't all see it on, uh, I guess that was Labor Day night. And the Blue Devils stunned the uh, Tigers. So uh, that goes to what you're saying. You got, let me ask you, you know, you got Clemson again four weeks later. Do you like doing repeat teams uh, close together? Do you get a feel? Does that help you with your broadcast? Getting a, getting a repeat from a team you just, you saw a few weeks earlier? I think it just gives you, uh, prep is a little bit easier. You know, you're even that much more confident on exactly what you're going to get from players. Now, I did them week one. They played three games since then. So I'll go back and I'll watch all these other three games, but I've had Clemson, I think this is my fourth or fifth time over the last couple of years. So I've got a really good familiarity with Coach Sweeney, with his roster, with his players. And yeah, I think that helps. I mean, I can't say I, I like it more than getting new teams because one thing that I love, and it really helps me with my morning show uh, whenever I'm, I'm, I'm talking about all of college football, like I love going out and seeing different teams. Like, and, and, then, and then for myself, you know, studying them, looking at the rosters, getting a chance to see them live. So I like both aspects. It's a little bit easier on the prep to get repeat teams, but getting a chance to see all the schools all over the country and have a real sense of who some of the best teams are, who some of the best players are, 
I think that's a, a great bonus uh, about what we get to do. But I'd be lying if I didn't say that from uh, putting my boards together that I use in my games each week doesn't make it just a little bit easier. I'm, I'm sure you're going to ask. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this real quick to let you inside inside the broadcaster's mind. Give me one sec. Okay. There's so, Dusty's. Uh, so like, so like when I say boards, and I don't know how much people care or know, but you, I know you care, and and I think it'll be intriguing to people. So last week, when I go into a game, this is what this is what I have with me up in the booth. Okay. So this is this is Baylor, Texas, and if you look, I've got notes all over it. So this is my film study. Oh, I got it upside down. This is my film study on players. This has got you know, thoughts from my coaching staff. This has got all my stuff. This is my cheat sheet. Now, I probably know 90 to 95% of this going in. But throughout the week, I'm, I'm taking notes. I've got a notebook. And then, you know, day of the game, day before the game, I start to put that on my board. And for me, it's a process, part of my process each week. And it really gets stuck in here once I go put it down on this board. And then once the game happens, I've got this in front of me as I'm calling a football game. And it's really just a reference point that, that I utilize. So whenever I say a repeat team, like I've got my board, I keep every board that I've done since I've been calling games. My eighth year now at ESPN ABC, and I've got every board of every game I've ever called. And so I'll go back, like for this game, I, I went back and I looked at my Texas-Oklahoma State board from a season ago, just to cross-reference and see what I thought about the players last season compared to what I think about them this season. And so from a prep standpoint, it does help me put my board together and give me a better idea of exactly what I'm looking at for these players. Eighth year at ESPN. I would have guessed four years. Time flies. Tell us how you got, how'd you get hooked up with ESPN? You're doing local radio. Uh, you're doing a little bit with the Sooners and, and Sooner Vision, that kind of thing. Tell us how the ESPN connection occurred. And this is crazy, but social media. <laughs> so... I, I met Kirk Herbstreet on Twitter. I reached out to him uh, somewhere along the way to have him as a guest of mine on a local radio show. And that's where we kind of started and developed a relationship. Then as I was doing Sooner Vision and, and Fox Sports Southwest picked me up to do a Big 12 show weekly during football season, you know, I got to a point where I was like, you know, this has gone really good. I feel really good about the content I'm putting out. I, I want to I grow. I want to do more. So I spent probably a lot of hours going back through a bunch of my stuff that I'd done for Sooner Vision. And, you know, Brandon Meyer, by the way, just want to thank him and all the people at Sooner Vision for that opportunity to get on television. And I went back through and I made a reel, Barry. And I had one of my producers at the time, TJ McGinnis, him and I sat down, spent countless hours picking out what we thought was my best stuff. And I whittled that down to about 15 minutes. And I took that 15 minutes. And Doug Gottlieb, who's a friend, I sent it to him. I sent it to Joe Klatt at Fox. And I sent it to Kirk Herbstreit, who I'd met over Twitter. And I sent it to all these guys. And I basically just said, hey, I don't know what you can do or if you can do anything. But if you can, heck, let me know. Like, I, I want to I grow this thing. And Doug Gottlieb said, you need an agent. And so he hooked me up with my agent. Um, Joe Klatt. Uh, really didn't say much of anything. He said, looks great. I'll see what I can do. Never heard anything from Fox. And Herbstreet said, I'm giving this to Lee Fitting, who at the time was overseeing college football. 
Well, that led to me getting my agent and some intrigue from ESPN. So I got an audition. So they fly me out to Charlotte and I do an audition with Matt Schick. And we did about 30 minutes and I did highlights to, to, you know, kind of more of a, you know, topics and giving my opinion. And I did about a 30 minute inter, uh, audition on tape. And I went around, and I met all the bosses and different people, went and had lunch with them. And they just got a chance to know me. And I'll never forget after my audition, Matt Schick, and we still joke about this. He looked right at me, and said, no, you're getting a job. I said, no way. I said, what? No way. He said, oh, I do this all the time. You killed it. You're getting a job. Sure enough, uh, my agent within the next two days, there was an offer from ESPN and they made me an offer to be a game analyst and a studio, uh, a studio uh, analyst. And at that time was when ESPNU still had studio shows. So my first contract, my first offer was a small package on ESPNU. And I was flying to Charlotte all the time, every week doing studio shows. I had never called a game from the booth. In my life, I had done sideline analysis for the OU radio broadcast, but you know, I didn't care. Let's go, let's figure it out. And it's funny because if I, if I could go back and watch my first few broadcasts on ESPNU, I would, uh, today's Dusty would laugh at then, but they love my energy. Uh, they love my ability to, to work a telestrator. They were really surprised at my football IQ and my knowledge as a defensive lineman. They felt that I could break down a game as good as a quarterback and then just my overall delivery. So, they liked what I did my year one. I got put on a Friday night package with Adam Amin and Molly McGrath. They love that. And then I've been on ESPN ABC platform ever since going on year eight. And I just signed a three-year extension before this year. So, uh, you know, my health stays the same and good Lord willing, uh, at the very least, I'll be there for 10 years, having the great opportunity to go around, study college football, talk about it and share a passion that for a sport that changed my life. I get to go around, talk with coaches, uh, see fan bases, talk with players. And, and really all I want to do, and if you listen to me, I'm not overly critical. I like to really accentuate the positive. If I need to be critical, I will be. But I prefer to talk about, you know, the pot. Like a play happens, Barry, and let's say it's a, it's a big play, right? Now you can, you can really hammer on the negative that happened for the guy that it didn't go well for, or you can accentuate the positive for – who did something well. I, I try to do that because I want to I want to celebrate these young players. I want to celebrate these fan bases. I want to celebrate the great sport of college football because it is my passion. It is what I love to do and boy it's been um it's been an awesome ride here so far. Well, we're running out of time, but I got to ask you about the Sooners and the Cowboys. Uh Sooners off to the 4-0 start. Playing a little defense. That's got to make your heart warm. Tell me, tell me what you've seen out of the Sooners. Yeah, I, uh, Danny Stutzman, wow. I mean, you want to talk about having a better understanding of this defense, playing fast. I've just been, I've been blown away with how well he's played so far through four games. I mean, he's, he's got to be at the top of most people's linebacker, all-American list so far, and it's been great. Uh, I think just, I mean, you know, this past weekend was a great example against Cincinnati. Last year... Oklahoma, especially in the second half, they couldn't get stops. The Really, the last three possessions of this game that mattered, three fourth and two situations, they get off the field. Red zone defense, forcing teams to field goals. I just think that the speed I see defensively is so much improved. I think the understanding of this defense is light years from where it was. And it's like everybody says, well, they're a better tackling team. Well, why are they a better tackling team? Because they know where to be. 
right? When you're out of position, it usually leads to bad tackling. They're in the right position. They're in the right places. They're playing really fast. They're, there is a, a better level of, uh, of, of player on there. I think that the personnel is continuing to get better. And with the way they're recruiting, it's only going to continue in that role. So I love what I'm seeing so far. Uh, they just got to continue to keep it going, right? I mean, it's a small sample size, but so far uh, the Oklahoma defense looks legit and they look back. I want to see that defensive line continue to step up. I love what Rondell Bothroyd has brought, but they still got to continue to rush the passer up front and, and continue to create those TFLs, which have really come on the last few weeks. Offensively, I, I've been disappointed with the way they've run the ball. Look, Dante Corleone, Jawan Briggs, those are good D tackles. I don't want to take anything away from Cincinnati. But we've seen kind of – there's been several games where you look at SMU, this game, they haven't run the ball well. I, I thought going into the year, Oklahoma's offensive line would be a real strength. Uh, they've been pushed around a little bit up front, so I want to see that group really continue to improve. Andrell Anthony's been awesome. I think that – I thought he'd just be a vertical threat. He's a better route runner and better after the catch than I anticipated. So I think that receiver room with Nick Anderson, they're really rounding into shape. Um, you know, Dylan Gabriel, I, 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 there, there's some things that were a little concerning this past week, but he's taken relatively good care of the football. I think that's good. He's got to be able to continue to cash in on those downfield shots when given the opportunity. But overall, it's a much better team than we saw a year ago, which we all expected. We're going to find out a lot, though, in two weeks because I just saw this Texas team, Barry. It reminded me of the Texas teams I played against. Um, Texas is for real. And I know Oklahoma fans don't want to hear that. But, I mean, Texas at their best is as good as anybody in the country. So Oklahoma is going to find out exactly where they're at in two weeks down in Dallas. And for Oklahoma State, you know, I, I thought they'd be better than where they're at. I got to be honest. I think Coach Gundy thought they'd be better. The, the offensive line's a problem. I can't run the football. I love seeing Ollie Gordon getting that big run in, in Ames this week, but they, they haven't consistently run the football and they can't protect either. So I think that, you know, Charlie Dickey's got to find a way. Casey Dunn's got to find a way to help them out. And whether that's some tempo at times to get defenses, you know, off kilter, this bye week, they really need to utilize it and figure out what can we do to help out this offensive line. I'm thankful they picked a quarterback and they're going to stick with them rotating quarterbacks in like I just I didn't think it was sustainable and I thought you were selling any of those guys short by not allowing them four quarters to work through whatever it might be so if Alan Bowman's the guy we saw some ups we saw some downs I just like the fact that we gave him four quarters to be able to figure out exactly what he might be able to be and defensively you know they're just like plugging holes you know two weeks ago against South Alabama they couldn't stop the run well in Ames this past week they stopped the run great they couldn't stop Rocco Beck in the past game. So, uh, you know, Brian Nardo, new defensive coordinator, new scheme. It's an important week right now because given where their offense is, they're going to have to pick it up on the defensive end because the last couple of weeks it's been very problematic. And I thought going into the year, given the schedule, the Cowboys can win eight or nine games. Now I'm just questioning if they're going to be able to get to six and keep that bowl streak alive. Well, Dusty, we uh, we're out of time, but man, this has been fun. Uh, you were a uh, you were a, a blast to cover, to watch, to write about. Twenty years ago, was a ball player. Same thing is true now that you're in the uh, in the uh, broadcast business. Uh, continued good luck with ESPN, and uh, thanks for being, uh, as you said, basically 
uh, an adopted Oklahoman. We very much appreciate it. Well, thank you, Barry. I just want to say you said an Oklahoma football icon. You, sir, are an Oklahoma sports icon, and I appreciate everything you do for the state and you do for sports, and an honor and a privilege to be on your show here this morning. Thanks, thanks, Barry. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Dusty Dvorak of ESPN. Hey, that's going to do it. Stay with us next week. Chris Del Conte, the athletic director at Texas, will talk all things Red River rivalry. So get your uh, get all your sellout crowd content at selloutcrowd.com. You can find this show at all your social media outlets, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Join us there. We'll see you next week. <laughs>